Hello and welcome to the 46th episode of Breaching Extinction. This week we've got Gloria Pancrazy back and we're going to talk a little bit about her film but mostly about a lot of the kind of anthropogenic reasons why um, human these are human problems and what humans can do to solve them all these animal problems that we have. Anywho I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming back on. Um, I've got Gloria Pancrazy here today. You're definitely, you've been on here the most out of anyone. This is like your third time on really? here. Yes. I feel, I love being, honestly, this is the first podcast I've done that like, I love it because it's so conversa- concert- conversational, <laughs> um, you know, and I find like, we'll start with a topic and then end somewhere completely different, but it's definitely my favorite one that I've been on. Oh, thank you. I love having you on. You're definitely one of my favorite guests. Not that I have like favorite guests, oh. but like if I did, like, cause I do like that too, is we can go from one thing to the other. Cause it's all interconnected and all that stuff. Um, so this week we're going to talk about your experience. You're up at Orca Lab. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about ego and how that plays a role in, environmentalism and in this movement and everything so tell us what you're doing at orca lab tell us what is orca lab what what is going on give us spill all yeah. the tea <laughs> yeah i just um so orca lab first of all what it is is a land-based research station on hansen island which is north of vancouver island near alert bay it was founded by paul spong who is just this legend of a man who studied um one of the captive orcas scanna and just understood how intelligent orcas were and then he ended up coming here and his whole purpose and goal is to study these orcas the northern resident killer whales um without interfering or um disturbing nature mm-hmm. so we're all land-based and we have these hydrophones um uh, in all in these different channels and cameras where we are not so we can acoustically know where the orcas are and then see them visually and that's how we're you know learning more about them know where they are um and it's really it's so beautiful to see i was thinking about that today i feel like we always feel like to protect nature we have to be right there and you know always interfering with it and being able to do that all from land not you know this is all solar paneled they don't cut trees they pick up like driftwood for the wood for the um, fires in the winter like they really care for the land and it's a it's a beautiful place to be and to learn how to protect nature and i'm i'm learning a lot from being here that's awesome so what do you guys look at are you looking at behavior obviously you're looking at acoustics i assume since you're taking that data yeah yeah so and i feel like you should totally talk to someone who's been here much longer than i have (laughs) um about more like the ins and outs of this place because it's definitely a such an important thing they're doing here but from what I know and I've been here for three weeks so it's very little time Mm -hmm. um yeah we look acoustically um their behavior basically during the day just take notes of what's happening and Mm -hmm. then um the calls that are happening if they sound excited if they're like tail slapping breaching where they are the family groups um yeah so are you able to listen to the sounds in real time as they're behaving how are they oh wow yeah okay nice it's insane. So like, I'm still learning all the calls. I know a few of them and I'm able to tell if it's like the A30s or that's the only one I can actually tell. Or nice. I can take the, cause there's a lot more, the Northern residents, there's m- many more um, mm-hmm. orcas than the Southern resident killer whale population. So mm-hmm. um, there's, there's like A1, A- A1 pod, A4 pod, A5 pod, um, you know, while like for the Southern residents, we just have JKL. It's yes. only one clan for the Southern residents. Well, here they're different clans. So there's just so much more to learn. It's, it's crazy. That's awesome. Um, and yeah. you've, you have spent time with the Southern residents. Have you like seen a difference between Northern and Southern residents? Just like yeah. observationally, not obviously not from a scientific perspective. I mean, one thing that I don't know if, if you know this, but um, the Northern residents are known for rubbing. Mm-hmm. So there's these rubbing beaches and they go and they rub, um, which mm-hmm. is the Southern residents don't do it. I'm pretty sure they're the only orcas to do it, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool to see. We have an underwater camera, so we see them rubbing like, lifetime. And we're all just like screaming like like teenage girls that are just at like a concert because <laughs> we're so happy to see them and um 
yeah, so that they do that. And then other than that, I find them pretty similar, you know, like the, the dorsal fin, the, the saddle patches, like obviously they're all unique, but, mm-hmm. um, same type of like open saddle patches, curvier fins, um, surface active. Yeah. But it, it feels being with, uh, with a healthier northern red, I mean, healthier orca population because they're still threatened, but they're not critically endangered. So it's, yeah, it's, it's very, um, hopeful yeah. to see that. Absolutely. I'm sure that that's motivating for you too, to be able to see a happy killer whale population. Cause I know so much of your time is spent focused on the Southern residents as is mine. And like, you know, it's nice to see when a population is thriving and like, not that there aren't concerns, but it's not lethal concerns. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it, it's crazy. You get so used to the, the pain attached to, you know, spending so much time with the Southern resident killer whales and it, it feels good. See like big natural lines and mm-hmm. babies and I mean I know the southern residents do have babies but you know there's that darker you know when you see J56 uh, one of the new babies in southern resident killer whales you have that like pain and stress of which is still here that mm-hmm. obviously the the northern residents still have like issues with salmon but it's just because they're more north and I think a lot of people are actually doing research on that to realize mm-hmm. to understand why the northern residents are doing better from my understanding it's that there's less people and so um, you know, the habitat for salmon isn't as destroyed, but it's still critical, right? Like it's still, um, we need to take care of this place as well, but it's just not as bad. Absolutely. Yeah. So with the volunteers, cause that's what you're doing up there. So you go up there for how long? I think it's pretty much however long you want. I know they say that they want you for at least six weeks, mm-hmm. but I was only going to come for a month cause I was supposed to go back to France to home, but uh, COVID, mm-hmm. I'm not, so I'm actually going to be staying longer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, so I arrived August 10th, I think. Nice. And, um, and I don't know when I'm leaving yet. Well, that's good. I feel like, you know, if there's a place to hang out where you don't necessarily have an expiration date, that's the place. <laughs> oh yeah. This, this place is just, I'm in love with this place and I'm definitely going to come back next year. And I think it's like the beginning of a big cycle. Amazing. So when you guys do your volunteering, what does your like day to day look like? Yeah. So you have like, there's always someone on shift in the lab listening to the orcas and there's always, or like working with the cameras, making sure the hydrophones are well set to wherever the orcas are and taking notes. Um, so it changes really, but um, you're either on shift or when you're off shift, then you'll be like, and shifts are about three hours, sometimes two hours. Um, and when you're off shift, you just like help around. So for example, like I said earlier, you go collect driftwood for mm-hmm. the winter. Um, if Paul and Helena, Helena is Paul's wife, who's also been here for ages and knows these orcas so well, it's insane. You'll be in the lab with her and there'll be like all these calls and she'll be like, these are the I-15s, see, there are, these are the I-50s. And you're like, what are mm-hmm. you doing? Which makes sense because she's been here for so long, but they're both beautiful, amazing people. So anyways, you ask them if they're, if they need help with anything, help out, um, clean the like general areas to make sure it's, make sure it's good. Um, yeah. And obviously if you have anything you want to do, like me right now with this podcast, you're like, okay, um, take naps. If you're tired, drink lots of coffee. (laughs) Um, yeah. That's awesome. Wow. That sounds like a dream, honestly, to like spend your time waiting for orcas to, to yell at you and then picking up driftwood. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're very connected to this place and it's, it's just very like, um, you know, they don't own, um, this place. They lease it from the first nations. Um, you really feel like you're not, you're not taking from the land. You're just helping. You're just giving back as much as it's giving to you. And that, yeah, we're going to talk about ego and it just feels like there's no ego here. It's really just for the whales, you know, like a hundred percent of the time. Um, one of the big things that we're actually, that this place is about is just the, and that I've noticed now is the noise disturbance that comes from boats, which mm-hmm. um, like I, I never had realized just how loud it can be. And once when you're in the lab and you hear a boat, you're like, oh, that's loud. And like, mm-hmm. you know, they'll they'll never if the if the whales are here and they have to take the boat, they'll wait till afterwards. They really want to have the no impact. And if they do have one, the smallest impact possible. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is beautiful to learn from. I think it's obviously they, they had the, the opportunity to do it, but it's, um, yeah, they did something beautiful here. That's awesome. So what, um, what group of indigenous people are they leasing the land from? I actually have to ask, I know I asked today, which land, um, Hansen is on and, I think it's the Namgi Nation and the Mamalelikwe. I hope I'm saying it right. Um, so I think it's both, but I'm not 100% sure. That's one thing I want to learn um, to know if they're leasing from both. If, um, But I know they have really great relationship with the Indigenous people here. And um, yeah. That's awesome. And that's so important too. And I, you know, just based on my very preliminary research about like indigenous groups and uh, within this region of the world, you know, that have a connection to killer whales, majority of them do have a priority on um, non-invasively like working with the land. And so I'm sure that that definitely had an influence in the development of the lab that you're working at, which is like so wonderful and should be on the forefront always. Yeah. Um, But that's awesome. So it's like, you know, you're able to to see these animals. And I'm sure that like in a way you're able, because obviously like when we study science and like how to do good science, we want to have the least amount of impact. If the animals don't know that we're there, if they don't know that we can see them, we get the best data that way. Um, But also Mm. with marine mammals, there's that added challenge of like, how much can you get from surface behavior? Um, But that's, I feel like you guys have definitely, it sounds like you've, figured out how to do it without there's like there's no way they know that you're there you know with it just cameras yeah. and hydrophones the orcas are smart i feel like they must know after 50 years that um <laughs> the lab is here yeah i just i just feel like that they must know there's like you know, these guys these um, creeps. <laughs> but but yeah and, and looking at research boats here that sometimes do get closer to the whales um there was a research boat that got um really close when they were rubbing which like no one should be that close when they're rubbing because it's a very special, um, should be safe, you know? And so that we were like, that should not be happening. Like, are you doing research for you for that specific research boat? We were like, it seemed like they were doing more, doing more research for themselves than for the orcas. Mm. And yeah, this place is just a hundred percent for the whales. And it's amazing. I feel like that, like you saying that is like a very good transition kind of into our next kind of topic because like you and I have have talked like several times on this podcast and just in general about whales and mm. um seeing a lot of the anthropogenic things that impact our goals and what we want to do and we've talked about ego so um and we've brought this up a lot and I feel like I've never truly explained what ego is and so I went back in my psychology textbooks because that was one of my majors in college and pulled some information so I'm just gonna like give a little background on ego and then I want to hear your take on because you're sound it sounds like you're in a place that has very minimal ego as opposed to a lot of places that do have ego so um during the Victorian era um Sigmund Freud he's like a very popular psychologist almost everybody knows him um started studying people and he was studying personality and that is a facet of ego or ego is a facet of personality so basically he's divided ego into three main components, which is the id, the ego, and the superego. And basically what the id is, is our center for pleasure. So it's what drives you to do the things that you want to do. Uh, It's very instinctive. It's unconscious, meaning that like you don't, you're not aware of it. You're just kind of doing it. And then we have our ego, which is kind of what balances that out. That keeps um, us from it helps us to take in social cues and different things in order for us to make sure that we're not just doing whatever we want. So like, you know, maybe you just like feel the urge to just like run around in circles in a parking lot or something silly. Your ego is going to tell you like, Hey, maybe like, let's not do that. So ultimately what this is doing is helping to aid in our survival so that we can, you know, maintain in a collective. That is why ego exists. Um, and then he's got the third facet, which is super ego, um, which is essentially just kind of how, um, we are driven to a uh, by perception, by others' perceptions of us and our morals. And so other psychologists have come along like um, Jan Lovingston and Eric Erickson and, you know, all basically kind of say the same, they say different things, but along the same vein of like ego is what drives our behavior. And it is often motivated by, it's what helps us to make sense of our outside world and it motivates us in our actions. So typically your ego is going to stem from the culture you grew up in, um, your the environment that you grew up in, your home life, that's very important, um, what society tells you, all these different things. So 
Um, why is this important right now? Why is this important when we talk about whales? Because ego can drive us to do a lot of different things. And it's important to keep it in check because when your ego is driving you, when you're more concerned about these anthropogenic things, it can take away from the goal. Um, and so I know that you and I were just like going to kind of dive into it. So I personally kind of just define ego as an unconscious entity that kind of drives you and your behavior. Essentially what it is, is your ego is a voice that's telling you a story um, and it helps you to make sense and create meaning in your life and a meaning of your experiences. And so it's important to understand the role that ego plays. And so, you know, people who are aware of their ego are often able to distinguish between, you know, their behavior if they're doing something because the society tells them, because their family tells them, because they don't want to be perceived as a certain way. Um, and other people sometimes struggle. And I think everybody struggles. It's not like, you know, black and white. And there's always lots of gray area. But, um, you know, oftentimes we do have defense mechanisms with ego because that we're trying to change our perception of reality in order to lessen anxieties. So essentially, that is what ego is. Do you mind repeating that last bit for me? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. So basically, what modern day psychologists say about ego is that it is something that drives your you to perceive the world and make sense of your experiences. And it's going to be based on like what society tells you, what your parents told you, um, how you feel about yourself. And um, oftentimes people who are able to be conscious of their egos are able to say like, hey, you know, like an example, maybe someone is like wanting to lose weight because like they're a woman. That's something that women are told all the time. You know, they may be able to check themselves and be like, oh, do I like, am I actually healthy? Is this actually something that I want for myself? Or is it just society telling me this? So mm -hmm. this plays a role in so many different aspects of our life, our families, our culture, the environments that we're in, where we work, all these different entities telling us who to be. So our ego is here to help us make sense of our surroundings. Um, but it, and it helps us to survive and to exist in a collective, but it needs to be checked because if it goes unchecked, then you're kind of driven unconsciously by behaviors that may or may not be healthy. And this can take away from our goals. Um, right. So that is kind of in a nutshell, me defining ego for you. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Wow. I feel like I have so much to learn from it. And definitely my understanding of it is very, um, just from, just so little I, I i want to do a lot of ego work and i've been starting to learn about it so mm -hmm. it's awesome to get that perspective and that general knowledge of it so mm -hmm. thank you for that um it makes it really makes me feel like last thing you said like if it doesn't go unchecked that um which is i just feel like as a collective mm -hmm. our egos are unchecked like holy oh yes <laughs> Yes, we are humans. And like, obviously, we can't expect everyone to be 100% checking their ego all the time. Like, that's unrealistic. And that's like another thing that society tells us is that, you know, you need to be perfect and on it and all the time. And that is a personal downfall of mine is like, I, I'm definitely a perfectionist. I'm like, this has to be perfect, or it's not worth it. And like, it's like, no, like, doing good and high quality is is better than perfect. So just do what you have to do. And like, right. that's totally ego. And like, you know, you can use it to your advantage and have it, you know, help you to work harder, but there's a point where it's not healthy. And, you know, I think oftentimes the role that ego plays in science and in this like killer whale community is, I think that oftentimes, cause you're obviously, nobody's going to go to school for like eight years to become a killer whale biologist or any sort of biologist if they don't care. But somewhere along the way, the culture that we're taught, at least here in the United States, I feel is that like science is really hard and you have to be perfect and you have to do this and that. And we totally want sound science. We want like the highest quality of science. But ultimately, um, humans are human and they're going to make mistakes and everything. But I just think so often we see that that passion for the animals, for understanding the animals, for getting that information out there can easily be turned towards, I need to publish more papers, I need to release this documentary, I need to be a better photographer, I need to, like, be the best marine naturalist that there is, you know? And 100%. It, and I know it creeps up with me, and I think that's one of the big things that, like, it's so important to not just be like, everyone's doing this, but, like, see it in yourself. And I know that mm -hmm. sometimes it definitely pops in, like, in my head, you know, and, and um, that it doesn't, 
some, sometimes, you know, it's still for the orcas, of course, but it's also for me. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, well, then, like, I can make a next documentary. And, you know, like, I can be, like, this, like, awesome person that made a great documentary, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just so important that it's still good to have that drive. And, um, you know, it's I think it's normal that it's there, but it's just to make sure that it's not the main reason you're doing it. Because then I think that's where you might not do what's best for the whales, you know? Yes, I totally think agree. a balance of it is where, where it's at. Yeah. I have a friend who um, I met here in Monterey, and she was really big at CSUMB in, like, the squid community, and she did a lot of research on anchovies, and um, she ultimately kind of ended up just leaving the field in general. She's taken, like, a couple years off because of that ego and, like, of that drive, and she was like, people were so driven by money and by accolades and mm. by all these other things she was like I just couldn't like I couldn't do it anymore and I was like I totally understand that and I think that's why we have to check ourselves and I don't obviously ego is unconscious so I'm not saying that anyone's out yeah. here being like like purposefully doing this like that's the whole point of the ego is that it's not conscious that like and it serves a purpose and that purpose is to you know lessen anxiety and lessen threats and like we're coming out of as humans like an era of being just survival based like we're not geared towards survival or towards happiness we're geared towards survival and so you know now that we're getting into a place where we can explore more things and like we have health care and we have food and clean water and all like a lot of humans have these things um those survival mechanisms go to something else so it's like yeah. oh i have to like your brain is thinking like I have to be the best whatever because otherwise I'll die (laughs) like it's basically where the brain is going and I find that at least in some of the conversation because I know that's what uh sparked us talking about ego and what you just said of like oh I need to be right or I'll die which is crazy Mm -hmm. right like it's kind of the same of like I need to be loved or I'll die Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and no it's not true um Yana Robinson who's a beautiful oh you would love to have her on your podcast Mm -hmm. um she's this beautiful beautiful poet um and activist she came to march with us um for a day even though she had this crazy schedule and she still made it anyways I was talking with her um in her new course that she's doing and she was talking about that how like uh we're so scared of being left out of the pack and that's very much an old mentality of of when we were surviving and Mm -hmm. you know we still are in many ways but anyways I'm going off track where I'm getting at is that I need to be right or I'll die. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in a lot of common conversations that at least I had with people, um, and it, it came from at first talking about systematic racism and learning more and, you know, being able to, especially as like a white person that's privileged, being able to be like, I was wrong about this. Like I tried to help or, or I said this and it was wrong. And, and we're so often like, no, I was, I was right. And mm-hmm. we get angry and we need to, normalize being able to be like I was wrong and thank you for correcting me and ouch my ego hurts a little bit here but I'm gonna survive and um, I can be better in the future and it's not just for systematic racism or racism it's for a lot of the issues I've noticed um, that the southern resident killer whales face yeah absolutely and I think we need to normalize being wrong because it's part of being a human and I have a cousin that I talk to like all the time and you know he he's from Ohio and he has more of like a conservative perspective. And so I love having conversations with him because he always gives me something fresh to think about. And he's like, you know, the past couple conversations, what stuck with me is he's like, we were talking about scientists and well, we were talking about how the CDC put out like a ridiculous suggestion that did not make sense. And he was like, I am not a scientist. Basically like, maybe I'll cut this out, but they had suggested like, pretty much glory holes like as like a covid like a way to get like to to avoid covid and we're like he was like this is like the problem with like scientists sometimes is you get too brainy and you don't think about like social cues and like the reality of things and he's like humans make mistakes and humans like are not gonna do things perfectly and we have to be able to accept that like we have to you know obviously do your best like try to like have practice like you know safe covid practices or whatever but like you like you need to have like realistic things as well and like he also another thing that he said to me is like humans are never you're never a finished product and that really stuck with me as well and I think our ego feeds into that because I don't know about you but I personally feel like I have to be like 
on it all the time and like I need to be done and I know it in my head what the best version of myself looks like and I'm not there yet and like Mm. it's that ego that's like oh you need to do this and then like I can catch myself in the trap of like am I trying to get episodes out right now because I feel these weird deadlines in my head or is it because I actually care about the whales like it's more and I do care about the whales I very much love the whales but like I get caught in it too so yeah yeah and I think we all do you know like yeah it's I I love what he said about we're never going to be a finished project and I love that because it talks about growth and we're ever changing and ever growing and Mm -hmm. and being able to learn and to admit that we're wrong is part of that and it's such a big part of that right if you're always right not going to be growing no (laughs) like you know and no one no one knows everything like I've had some people that are like oh I already know know everything like you know paul and helena perfect example Mm -hmm. they've been at this for 50 years listening to whales and still sometimes they're like we have no idea what the orcas are saying you know they'll be like well they sound excited i can't i will never know and Mm -hmm. there's some things that are okay never knowing right Mm -hmm. and yeah just um and then on the other end of it um for what you were saying about it's okay to get things wrong and to not be perfect which i agree with but on the other end I hope that no one takes it as like an excuse not to do better. Right. You know? Yes. There's a balance. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think if you're always working to be better and you have your goal in mind and like, you know, remaining aligned to your values, um, Mm. I think that that's good, but like being okay with stumbling. And I, I think, and the kind of the reason that I bring up the perfectionism and ego is because, you know, I come from a scientific background and that's something I see with scientists all the time is like mm-hmm. that need to be perfect, that like striving to be the absolute best all the time, which like, right. yes, but like keep it in check. But also, yeah, like there are, are people too who maybe are like, yeah, you don't want to use it as an excuse either. Yeah. Like, and that might not be with research. I think more as like a general collective thing of, yeah, where we're at, I, I really think there needs to be this big mindset shift and mm-hmm. big change in how we live and and working with our ego. And, and I think, yeah, ego is always going to be there. And I think even people who have been working at like knowing and understanding where their decisions come from ego like for years, mm-hmm. I think the best thing is just to sometimes be like, oh, okay, right now I'm like coming at this from way too much of an ego. I'm going to take a step back. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, like, we've seen, because just, like, as far as, like, the relevance to this for killer whales, like, we've seen, like, on San Juan Island that there's a lot of egos that are played there. And I'm not, like, calling anyone out or saying that people did anything, like, wrong or bad. But, like, it's a learning opportunity. Like, Monica Shields wrote about it in her book. And I've Um. heard talks from her and she's talked about it. And, like it is so important because people were more concerned with publishing papers and developing institutions and bringing in money than they were with the orcas. And I highly doubt how that that's originally how it started, but I think it's just so important to keep in check and like, because ultimately we do want to help the whales at the end of the day. And it's so easy to get caught up in other things, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. And it's so silly. I was, I've been, I mean, we, we've talked about it, and I don't know if you're okay with me, like, kind of yeah, bringing that's it up fine. on here. Yeah. But we've been talking about, um, you know, getting everyone together. Mm-hmm. And and I've been thinking about it a lot here as well, of, like, you know, all the people that are that live around here, you know, Paul and Helena, Alexander Morton, um, Chief Ernest Alfred, like, people who have been fighting up north, not just the dams, but to collectively get all these people that know so much and, and working together. And, and um and there can't be ego in that. And I think that's where, I think that's where we're going to be able to create real change because a lot of the people who are fighting against it is ego, you know, that it like for the dams, the main reason they're not being brought down, I bring it down to ego. I remember once calling Jim Waddell and being like, Jim, I, I, why? I don't get it. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. Why they, wouldn't they breach the dams? And he told me, you know, it's like, well, they don't want to have a public scandal. They don't want to admit they lied. And so I was like, Oh, so, like, it's it's ego. Yeah. That's why. I think it's, like, being aware of that ego, you can kind of combat it. But, like, that's one of the things is we need to – that's where I say we need to, like, normalize being wrong and, like, making mistakes because it's okay that they made the mistake in putting the dam up. I genuinely think they did the best with the – the information that they had at the time. Like, and the the social and political, like – 
variances that were in play at that time as well. But like the, the problem now is that the mistake is continuing. Like we're digging a hole. We're making it worse. And like, obviously that stinks if there's like this whole scandal, but like, okay, what happens? Cool. You were part of a scandal. Have, has like people get embarrassed all the time. Like, you know, and like you can move forward, but it's like, you need to build that resilience to your ego. Like you have to be okay with like, okay, Hey, my ego might get hit. Like, but, like, do I die? No. Like, is your career over? Not necessarily. It, or do you potentially have the opportunity to go on a new path and do something different? Yes. Like, I've had plenty of things that have totally, like, shattered my ego. And, like, it. and I was, like, you know, I've been sad about, like, losing different opportunities or not getting into certain things. And then, like, um, it just ultimately, like, it created space for something new and different. And I think mm. maybe holding space for that sort of perspective of, like, okay, like, all right, I take these dams down and there's a huge public scandal and maybe I don't get reelected. Like, okay, then I'm sure you have other passions and there's other things that can happen. Like, it's not the end of the world, but also, like, you got to think, like, is your ego more important than the environment, than the economy, than all the animals and people affected? You know what you just said, what it made me think of? Um, my friend was reading this uh, this book on Indigenous relations and mm-hmm. actually... And I'm going to mention it on here if anyone wants to come join the course. There's this course by University of Alberta um, that is about Indigenous histories and contemporary issues, um, and it's free. Um, You can pay for it if you want. Like, it's like 60 bucks if you want to, if you are in school and you want it for credits. But other than that, it's free. And uh, I saw it on there, too. And it's about the worldviews and how um, Indigenous communities see um, the their worldview is very um, it's a circle, mm-hmm. and it's uh, basically you know we are all connected, and every life is just as valuable, mm-hmm. um, animal life, human life, um, all human life, mm-hmm. um, the earth, like everything's connected, and everything's belong. There's no one, there's no hierarchy, mm-hmm. and how we white men have seen it um, is egocentric with white men on top. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, then like it ripples down. And so, um, right. So to what you were saying mm-hmm. of that, you know, making that decision right now, the decisions they're making is very much being like, well, I can't lose my job or I can't, um, be wrong. I can't do that thing. But if they did, if they were to see it as that circle, as that indigenous worldview, they would have breached the dams because then they would have known that they're not more important than the indigenous peoples that were forcefully removed from these lands, than the salmon that are dying, than all the other species that have been in fact impacted by the dams there, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's very, that's all about ego as well, which I've just made the connection when you said that, which is cool. Yeah. And I think like, and that kind of it sparked a little, like, you know, something in my brain, too, of, like, ego really does boil down to hierarchy, like, as well. And, like, not to say that, like, ego doesn't, like, exist in places that, you know, or in structures that have less hierarchy, but it's that need to be better. It's that need to be on top. And, like, I feel like when you slow down and you really think about that, who does that benefit? And like, okay, cool. That benefits you, but what's the cost? Like if you're a white man, if you're a straight cisgendered white man, like who, who are you putting down because of it? And I think it's hard sometimes, like if you do come from that place of privilege to really check it and really understand. Cause like, you know, we can, we can as women and as whoever you are, like explain our experiences as much as we want. But like, I feel like you really have to try to get it. And really have to empathize. And, like, I think, you know, having empathy is going to be a key role in this, you know, as well. Um, But that's, like, you're just, like, kind of pointing out how all this is interconnected. Like, you know, racism, sexism, like, environmental problems. All of this is all intertwined. Like, this is not just, like, okay, like, the southern resident killer whales are dying. Yes. Like, but there's so many different undertones, like, in there as well that can be combated with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that makes me think of uh, Leah Thomas, who, like, has, you know, talked so much about intersectional environmentalism and how it's, you can't be protecting an animal without protecting the people and that it is very much connected. And, yeah, it just always comes back to that. It's always interconnected. And I think you're very right with the hierarchy and, 
just need to, I think we all need to work on ourselves um, because a lot of the big social and environmental changes that happens that need to happen if if you know the, if, if Donald Trump was to you know really to really work at himself I'm sure that um we would see a crazy change and maybe that's very optimistic I don't know but I mean that's like the reality you know? of it though like I mean obviously like mm-hmm. do we expect Donald Trump to change no and like the reason for this is because I feel like it, that there's ego playing that role again of like I've dug a hole for myself that this is who I am this is what I'm about and I can't go back and change it and I think we need to make space for forgiveness and change and like you know I was reading Viktor Frankl's book at the beginning of quarantine which I highly recommend anyone reads Man's Search for Meaning right now because he talks about how people got through the holocaust and while COVID is nothing like that there are definitely some lessons to take away um but he had talked about how one of the guards there was like a very violent like murderous person who like developed a sense of hope and then decided that he wanted to change and he made that change like and Mm -hmm. he ended up being like well loved by people in like the camps and like you can make that change like you can go back like you don't have to be like that like negative person forever and I think you know people aren't going to want to change too when they feel that they've been labeled as that and I think part of us like too like we got to check our own egos but also understanding that like maybe people that aren't motivated by that or they don't have that knowledge yet or whatever like if we come from a place of being open and forgiving and like allowing them to make mistakes like for example with Jay Inslee being like hey like we see that you should have taken these dams down a while ago and like Mm. it's not cool but like you know maybe like we would be open to re-electing you if you made the right choice now you know yeah i think that i definitely and i'm just dropping so many cool people's names here but like uh uh, totally blank shark girl madison madison stewart um i was gonna call her alex for some reason Uh i don't know why yeah (laughs) but madison stewart um you know working with the people who have been demonized in the past and i know it's very different than the people who are um at the top and who are oppressors because those people um you know are the are the fishermen that Mm -hmm. have no other option and she's worked with them and i think you know i would love to sit down with governor Inslee and have a real chat with him um now we've tried and he's never answered so that there's that but you know definitely just like working and talking and that can go such a long way and now the other end of it it's it's such a polar opposite but I also understand people who have been the victim of of oppression not wanting to forgive or not being ready to forgive I I get that or having forgiven and then not having gotten anything back so Mm -hmm. I also feel that like I don't know how how Jesse Nightwalker would have I I feel like he would have forgiven um governor Inslee if he had decided Mm -hmm. to breach the dams I don't know yeah I mean it's like a good health choice on just like a personal level as well because like carrying around resentment doesn't help anybody and like I Mm, I understand that and like I like I definitely catch myself getting upset about like certain oppression issues like women's issue is such a hot button for me because it's something that I've experienced by so many people so many times and like Mm you know, I do catch myself like, okay, like we're feeling heated about this, but like me being angry and heated because somebody did something sexist along the way is mm. not going to do any good. It's taking away from like what right. I want to do. That is ego as well, right? I that remember is. seeing somewhere on Instagram, it was like, uh, before acting, make sure you're not acting from a place of anger, uh, sadness, or I mean, which is... Oh my God, I'm, I'm seeing the polar opposites of everything I'm saying right now. Good. Yes, but at the same time, you need to be like, like you know, like when you're marching and you're protesting, that does come from a place from of anger, and that can be very effective. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a balance and being able to figure out what is appropriate and when, and mm-hmm. like not taking dams down because that we're scared of public perception is not appropriate. Um, right. Voicing, I think that you know a part of maybe the grieving process and and the healing process even like people need to feel their emotions they can't repress them which like mm-hmm. uh, this is something that I've learned in the last year like I've, I've learned it textbook like I, I majored in psychology that was one of my majors but like in my own personal life I've learned that in the last like six months that you can't repress things and it's not healthy but so I think that kind yeah. of that anger that we find in activism culture 
is healthy, but it needs to be regulated. Like you right. can feel that anger. That anger is like it. It motivates you to an extent. And like th- my dad always tells me that anger is the only emotion that gets anything done. And like he's oh, kind of right. So. But like also, yeah, I agree with like it's not the only one. Like, but it's a powerful one. There's this uh, this quote from Alexandra Morton mm-hmm. that's um, going to be in the documentary. Amazing. Um, we're on the Sea Shepherd boat, and she's talking with Chief Ernest Alfred, and she and they're talking about the fish farms and you know the the Namkeys First Nations um, and the Mamalanikos First Nations fight to get the fish farms out when they. Um, they did the Swanson occupation. They occupied mm-hmm. uh, the Swanson fish farm for, I forget how many days. It was almost a year. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, just for anyone who didn't know that. And, um, and you know, she's like, you know what, Ernest? I think the places who are fiercely loved are the ones that will survive. And this place is fiercely loved. And I, I don't know if love is an emotion, but I think coming from that place, that that is, for me, the most powerful, I, I'd say. Uh, because, of course, anger is powerful. Um, and sometimes when it's mixed with sadness, which I find it often is, but love and, and this place or collab, I can feel the, like the love that went into this place that still goes into this place. And, um, yeah, I think that's the, that's what will drive the most change in my mind. I think so too, at least like productive change because sitting in a, a space of anger all the time won't, but I, I do think that you're right. And from a lot of because like I like to keep up to date on like psychology and I'm always looking to better myself too and check myself because I absolutely have shortcomings just like everyone else and you know Brene Brown I talk about her all the time like on this podcast because she has such amazing things to say but like she talks about you know having brave hearts and like coming from like a place of like being bold but like loving at the same time like she's like talks about like kind of like not she's like don't take bold but like come from a place of love and like we're done with the bullshit the dam's not going down because of the love but like ultimately you can grow more from that like and even we've seen like i like i don't know if this is real or if it was just like a post on the internet but like somebody did an experiment where they like talked badly to like fruits and vegetables like one set of fruit that was they talked to it badly and then the other set of fruit they said nice things and that one rotted and like Mm. you know I think energetically and like just as humans Mm. like we're very fragile and we're very like we become the things that we're surrounded by and so like you being in a place of being surrounded by love like I before we started recording you were talking about how you feel so refreshed and like that burnout Mm. and like you feel recharged and I think you're right that's totally more of what we need is like more love, more forgiveness, and, like, coming into alignment with, like, what actually matters, you know? Right, yeah, 100%. And then, and then also, it's It's okay, it's okay. I have a little dolphin noise. We'll bleep it out. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I totally agree. And then, again, the other side of me is just, like, is that, optimistic like is that too naive like you know um do we need a bit of that anger do we need a bit of yeah I feel like it's 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 hard to to change everything we want to change it's going to take a lot of work but I yeah I mean I think feel the anger feel the sadness for a certain amount of time but be able to build up enough resilience and enough like stamina to be able to get past it enough emotional regulation to where you're not drowned out by anger where you're not drowned out by it's sadness. true it's true because i have i after the march i totally felt that i was drowned out by the by the grief of it i guess mm. which is the best word i can use and um and the grief of, of everything that's happening with the southern residents and and uh and i was unable to do anything i couldn't mm. even send an email at some point right so so it's true if you're too drowned out by it you can't do proper action and actually one of the people here said something really beautiful to me and um and it stuck and he was saying we need to collectively like he was talking about me and him and and but but also collectively mm-hmm. we need to be sitting in the grief of what we are losing speaking specifically about like the environment mm-hmm. um and right now you know we're where we're, we're losing it but we're almost like a, a hamster on a wheel trying to figure out things without stopping just to go 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 oh my gosh we're always such in a rush and mm-hmm. we need to first sit in this grief and really feel it feel what we're losing and how we're feeling about it 
process it like you've been t- like you were just talking about it you know processing those emotions and then find a solution because I, it, it's true that a lot of the solutions we're finding right now are like band-aid fixes or you know solutions that aren't really working and and we're just trying to it feels like we're this big plastic like water bottle that has a hole in it and we just keep trying to put tape on it and maybe we need to just get a new bottle yeah <laughs> like you know not throwing it away just like creating something completely different yeah I think you're totally right and I am like the hamster on the wheel 100% of the time like it's like non-stop always and like oftentimes like I don't stop until I'm forced to like there's wildfires in California right now and so I haven't gone on as many tours because we don't have tourists I work for a small company and I'm like oh this is what it feels like to recharge and to do these things but I I absolutely 500% fall into that of like well let's do this right now the dams need to go down right now which is that is that is and is not a band-aid fix like it's definitely a huge fix but there's way more to it than that yeah and it's definitely hard like I'm saying that and at the same time and I think the dams and the march is a perfect example you know they need to be breached now there's Mm -hmm. not much more time for the southern resident killer whales and salmon at this point we need to act now and it's very hard because like we we technically could go finish the march right now same when we stopped covid we could have kept going with 20 you know 20 people separated not ask for anyone else to join but that probably wouldn't have had the impact that we need to have right we need like thousands of people there around mm-hmm. the world protesting at the same time so yeah like we could have just kept going on that wheel or we could have been like okay that's actually not what the, again ego yeah. or yeah. what's actually best and it's tricky because there's lives at stake and yeah and it's all messy and I think that's the thing too is that we just have mm-hmm. to accept the fact that like it's messy like nothing's black and white nothing's concrete like there's no right and wrong and like we should listen to everybody's ideas and I think that's why you and I have talked about trying to get everybody together because we need fresh perspectives we need people with different mindsets with different life experiences to come together and share what they've learned so that we can learn so that we can you know fix that bottle that you're talking about and stop running around on this hamster wheel like you know we come together and we're stronger because there's there's so many people here that have so much information and we need to take everything into account um and you're, you're totally right. Like, you guys, that's a really good example on you guys of, like, hey, like, we're not going to continue this march because it's not actually, it's not actually effective. Like, you were not driven by yeah. ego in that choice. You were driven by, like, what is, what's actually going to work. And you're totally right. I don't think that, like, a 20-person march for another two weeks, like, would have been as effective and then like you know look at the mental health of the people that you're working with like a pandemic is exhausting and Mm. you know i bonnie from the cloud wow i totally like butchered that but she um she talked about self-care a lot in her interview Mm -hmm. and she was like you need to like with activism people need to take care of themselves because you can't fight hard if you're like coming from a place of like exhaustion and burnout and like yeah all this other stuff it's very very true and it's it's really hard to do i'm definitely still learning it um but yeah 100 percent. i mean it was my first burnout ever after the march so that was like a, and I, I knew it i kept saying like i'm being burned out after this but i didn't you know i was like joking about it and then i was like oh this is what this sucks yep. <laughs> this is not fun and and um yeah and yeah we definitely need to be make sure to take care of ourselves and take care of each other you know like we are um penalty protectors snow and sigh always say this we're one big pod in this and mm-hmm. um orcas take care of one another and it's good to check in and you know be like hey how are you doing can i can i do anything mm-hmm. um with snow we we joke we have an orca survival kit with uh, kind of different things to do when you're feeling depleted and um so having tea is one of them reading mary oliver <laughs> um having like lighting some candles I don't I forget what they're I remember the tea and the poetry but calling each other being like hey I, I really need like a, a chat today like it's it's rough and um yeah I think honestly just working together taking up after the orcas right yeah they work together all the time so yeah I that's awesome I feel like we need to share that with everyone your orca survival kit because that it's <laughs> needed but like oftentimes like too like I mean it's so easy to get overwhelmed by doing all these things and I think that for me at least 
whenever I get overwhelmed about them, I think about like you and PNW protectors and Aaron Baxter and like every single person that's been on this podcast and like my best friend Ellie and like all the people that she works with. And I'm like, we're going to get this done because there's too many people that are working really hard on this. Not to like, have you, has, have we ever seen people come together for an endangered species like this? I don't think so. Like, obviously like it's going to get done and like, you know, if you're not feeling, if you're feeling burnout right now, like, let somebody else who isn't feeling burnout mm. carry that weight. Like, it's going to happen. Like, we're going to be able to help these whales. I genuinely do believe that oh, it's yeah. an uphill battle. Like, there's no there's no way we can fail with all the people that we have. There's no way. There's definitely a, a Mount Everest to climb, but mm-hmm. um, there's every one of us together, there's no way we're letting them go extinct. And then one thing that really, like, triggers me is when people say like oh they're already done I'm like no they're not (laughs) okay like if you think that way sure then they will be because if we all thought it was done then yeah we wouldn't do anything but we're all resourceful we all have different skill set different thoughts different expertise and experience you know having done this in the past Mm -hmm. um different connections to bring more people in and um and whether you know you are already part of the pod or you aren't and you're just like hey this sounds cool we do too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anyone that has anything, you're like, oh, I don't know much about orcas, but I love, I love writing or I'm really good at data or I just love organizing. That's my stuff. Like, great. You know, like we can all come together and, and also if it's not about the orcas, if it's about something else, it's all connected. So mm-hmm. chances are it's going to come back um, to this. To this. Absolutely. Yeah. That's definitely something I found is it's all connected mm-hmm. and like, Especially with, like, the Black Lives Matter movement that's going on right now. And yeah. it's, like, there's so much racism that is founded, mm-hmm. like, in environmentalism. It's built on that. And, like, yeah. it's all... So that's... You're totally right. It's important to talk and, like, support one another. And, like, I think... Yeah, you're totally right. Get off the hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. Stop burning yourself out. And, like... Like... And it, that is an ego move right there. Is, like, getting off the hamster wheel and being, like, okay. Like, it's... Okay. And that's one of those things of, like, forgiveness. Forgiving yourself. Like, it's okay to get off the hamster wheel because mm. if you keep running it and you keep trying to throw ta- tape on your plastic bottle, it's it's not sustainable. It's not going to work. So, you're right. Like, rebuild the bottle. Create something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very proud of that metaphor when I said it. I was like, yes, I love it. That was so good. <laughs> Did you make that up yourself? I just It just came up right now. That was so good. I thought this is like what that person told you. And I was like, wow, so wise. No, no, Amazing. Like, how. That was good. I, just, I was like, yeah, sometimes I stumble on like when I talk a lot. And I was, sometimes I'm like, oh, what am I saying? Like, I forget where I was going with this. And here I was like, yes, I'm proud of myself. <laughs> Did it. Girl, I do the same yeah. thing all the time. I like when I was just editing the interview with Ellie, I was like, there was a point where I was talking. I was like, I just lost my train of thought. And then it I happened. was like, we're just going to cut this. We're just going to cut yeah. that. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think like th- all of these things are like relevant and like good food for thought. And like, you know, just kind of mm. takeaways I hope for people is like, take care of yourself, take care of other people. And like, it's okay to slow down. It's okay to not be perfect and like do what you can do. Like you don't, there's yeah. so many of us. That's like, that is the one thing honestly that sometimes gets me through is cause I get so overwhelmed at times being like, I have to save the whales myself today, right now in the pandemic. Like that's a realistic goal for me. And I'm like, no, this is no, that's not good. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And Before I was the like, March, I was like, well, the dams will be breached at the end of the March. Like I have no, I was like, and I remember like Andrew and my team was like, well, Gloria, you know, like he was like kind of trying to like reason with me. He's like, you know, like there's, there's a chance that might not happen. And I was like, no, mm-mm, like, no. after the March, a hundred percent dams will be breached. Like I was convinced. Yep. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And then you're like, oh wait, but there's so many other people working on it that like, I mean, we get yeah. in those unrealistic expectations, but we're going to get it done. It's just going to take, unfortunately take mm-hmm. a little bit of time. And I, and I do think, cause I know that's what first got us to talk about this. So I want to like return to it like one last time of just mm-hmm. like, we are in a collective learning and unlearning and kind of reshaping the way we think and act mm-hmm. and um, and just let's all make sure that, you know, when we are doing that, we try and be very aware of our ego, trying to put it away, especially when we're having conversations with other people, um, when we are questioning the way we live and think and when we are learning, I'll be like, well, no, this is not this, you know, there are people, but, and I like that too sometimes, like, no, no, no that's not the way it is. The way it is is the way I've made it up in my head or the Mm -hmm. way I've always been doing it and just being able to, you know, 
something I know in that oh, what is it called planet of the humans that new documentary oh I haven't seen it I haven't seen it either but um Julian my boyfriend saw it and my mom and my sister saw it and my mom and my sister saw it first and uh I remember saying like what the heck like this documentary um he's saying that like renewable energies are bad like he's basically saying like the they're taking from it oh my god they're gonna they're gonna hate me for saying this <laughs> don't listen to it mom um basically from their um perspective it sounded like he was against renewables yes. and then julian saw it and he's like this is crazy it's basically showing how renewables are are are, big, are said to be this amazing you know savior from all of it but really they're not they still have an impact and it's important to know it yeah and that basically in some ways at the end he's like we're screwed yeah but then we, we worked the we're not screwed. We can do it. Um, but so going to learn something new. And instead, mm-hmm. I think they maybe answered at it from a place of ego of being like, oh, no, well, I, I know sustainable energy to be to be good. Mm-hmm. And they, they weren't open to learning that they'd had bad components to it, you know, yeah. um, and being able to yeah take that step back. And then how Julian watched it. And then we were talking about it. You know, he was freaking out at first being like, oh, my God, there's no way out of this climate crisis. What are we going to do? Um, you know, we're, we're, we're doomed anyways. And then we work through it, process the emotions like you were talking about earlier. Yeah. And then, you know, we were able to kind of come to like, well, this is the things we can do right now to try and help it. And right. then it goes back to the thing of the grief and sitting mm-hmm. and then acting from there. So try to like combine everything. Yeah. We about in because podcast. it's all like you said earlier, it's all going to come back to like, to something. So like, bring it up, talk about it. But like, I mean, no, you're totally right. And I think, that's probably I can imagine that can be difficult when in your head you're like oh my god this is such a clear solution like we can do this and that that's a glimmer of hope gone right there and like mm-hmm. you know one of the other things that like my cousin and I had talked about like hope and he was like hope is like the one thing that that like drives people because if you don't have hope then what mm. do you have and I just yeah. watched like a video with uh, Mark Manson who I would call him a psychologist. He, like, doesn't have a degree, but he's done enough research that he's absolutely a psychologist. And he was, like, talking about how, in a weird, like, kind of cynical way, we do need things to be wrong and we do need to have hope because that's what drives us. And, like, Mm. you know, when that's taken away, you're right, process, like, keep going. Like, don't repress, don't continue to stay on the hamster wheel of, like, okay, Mm. well, let me continue with this, like, broken thing because in my head it's the way that it is, like... Yeah, I do that too sometimes and like I've totally had to like have ego checks and like we all have things that we thought were really good at one point that are not good like Mm. I got my career started at a zoo at age 14 and I was like this zoo is awesome I'm gonna work here for the rest of my life I'm gonna be a zookeeper and there are so many good things that zoos do and that's such a like heavy topic but like ultimately like I've you know I've learned like that that's not okay and like that's a huge Mm. ego hit too of like oh, wow, this, like, thing that, like, I thought was good, that I thought was helping, like, it's, like, instead of being, like, hey, like, I'm gonna continue and pretend, like, this is fine when it's not, like, the people that are, like, stand with SeaWorld, like, I'm not trying to call them out or be rude, but, like, you know, being, like, okay with it. Maybe if they didn't move from such a place of ego, they would have known that orcas in captivity and dolphins in captivity makes zero sense. Yeah, agreed. (laughs) You know, Paul Spahn was actually one of the big people who, like, fought against captivity right off the bat because he's like, these animals are way too intelligent to be in a tank. Yeah. You know? And, yeah, absolutely. So it's, like, we've all been there, too. And, I like, I don't share these stories to whatever. Like, I just, just so that people know that, like, it's, it's possible it's been done and like mm. like I didn't die because I admitted that zoos were bad and that's where I got my start yeah exactly um Morgan who's a be- beautiful friend of mine she's the one that I did the march with and yeah. she actually recently joined the co-extinction team um you know she used to work in a marine park and you know it's a part of her story and and it's a beautiful part of her story you know mm. and I guess what you were saying earlier about you know not putting a label on someone and, and, and attaching it to them forever, you know? Um, and she knows a lot about it. Like, um, I've had conversations with her and other people about captivity, people who are so anti-captivity, they don't, they kind of put up a wall, right? And mm-hmm. she was able to be like, well, actually, this information you have is like, it's like wrong because I, I work there and I know that, uh, I know that it's actually like this and the person didn't want to yeah. compute it, you know? So right. um, anyways, just, yeah, it's, 
we're all ever growing. We're never a finished product, like you said. Yeah, we're never a finished product. And like people get to make a mistake and kind of going back to that example with Man's Search for Meaning when he was talking about that guard that was the worst, literally the worst, like, and then became a better person. Like, just like have patience for yourself and have patience for others. And like, that's why I don't believe in writing people off and being like, all right, I'm done with you. Cause you ha like, I don't believe in cancel culture for that reason. Like, mm. and like just being patient with everybody and like, you know, check yourself. Like we're not finished products and like, we're, we're also growing. We're all still learning, but like we need to continue mm. to move in a general trend towards something better. Yeah. Nice. Mm. Well, I feel like this was a very good chat. Do you have any final thoughts? I feel like we covered a lot. I think we covered a lot too. I think there's some beautiful things said, some, uh, some realizations for me too. And, um, yeah, thank you for this. Yes, of course. Thank you as always for coming on and you're always welcome back. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us this week. I hope you guys benefited from that conversation. If you guys have any questions about these things or whales or anything as usual, always feel free to reach out. You know, this is an open-ended conversation for anybody that wants to be a part of it. So, um, don't hesitate to reach out. If you guys want to continue to support this program, give us a rating on whatever podcast platform you listen to, follow us on social media, subscribe here, subscribe to YouTube, whatever, however it suits you. We also do have a Patreon and you can purchase merchandise from us, which helps go into some of the funding that we need to produce these episodes as well as get information out there. But as always, thanks so much and have a great week, guys.